It's the Climate Cause. I'm here with Jeremy Modell. He is an account manager at Diesel Direct. Jeremy and I go back a little bit. We are friends from high school, but we've stayed connected because we both work in a future forward industry, working with climate solutions and other technologies that can help propel us forward. So welcome, Jeremy, and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy uh, Modell, and uh, I work for Diesel Direct as an account manager, helping fleets in the San Francisco Bay Area reduce their emissions at the tailpipe by using low carbon fuels such as renewable diesel and biodiesel. Awesome. Well, it's awesome to have you here, Jeremy. Um, our intention today is just to learn a little bit more about you, how you connect to the climate crisis and the work that you do. So in great fashion, I'm going to open up with a big question. How do you connect the dots between climate action, adaptation, resilience, as an opportunity to improve society as the better? Yeah, Maddie, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, a couple of years ago when I started college, I really wanted to make an impact on climate in the business world. And so uh, having a diesel vehicle, I wanted to power it sustainably uh, so I can reduce my own emissions. And uh, going through college, I wanted to help others do the same. And so we have a reality that we're in right now, and that's uh, climate change is an existential threat uh, to humanity. And so for future generations, the, the sake of climate change, you know, the buck stops with here. We have about 10 years left to make some changes and make some uh, changes for the better. Now, as far as resilience is going, you know, this is this is our planet. We, we, we all live here and uh, generations for the uh, in, in the future are going to inhabit the same planet. And so as far as an adaptation sense, right? Uh, we have to act now to prevent uh, drastic climate change from making the planet uh, an inhabitable place uh, for the next group of people. Um, and so working in a uh, sustainability job, I call it a green collar job, is really uh, meaningful for me in my, per in my uh, personal life, uh, helping others reduce their own carbon footprint. Absolutely. Thank you for taking us through that and really articulating the pieces that you not only relate to through your experience of driving a diesel vehicle. And, you know, I, I think something specifically, and I think it's great, you know, we grew up at the exact same time um, that it's not uncommon in high school to start to be introduced to these really daunting these really daunting concepts. And I think it's remarkable. And I remember from high, high school and it's really interesting because you know, um, and the listeners might know, I work for Clean Cities Coalition and we promote the adoption of alternative fuels like renewable diesel and biodiesel. But looking back when I knew you in high school, I had no idea. I was like, all right, Jeremy drives a diesel vehicle. I didn't really understand about, I didn't, I didn't also know you that personally about really what was going on inside of your head and how you were able to connect like your immediate actions with not only um, your piece of climate action, but how it kind of dropped that, um, started that thread of where you wanted to follow in your career. And you mentioned these green collar jobs. Um, what, what's the one thing that surprises you about working in a green collar job? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I work for a a diesel fuel distributor, and a lot of people might, you know, think of that as you know something dirty or or um, you know not the cleanest or or most helpful for the environment. Um, and when I got here, I realized, wow, renewable diesel and biodiesel blends are being used so widely throughout the Bay Area. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of gallons every day that are uh, being displaced because otherwise a fossil-based diesel would be used. And uh, when I really understood the, the, the grasp of how many renewable gallons were being sold, you know, the impact is massive. The amount of metric tons of carbon dioxide that are being saved in the San Francisco Bay Area by having these low carbon fuel standards uh, is, is uh, it's just massive. Absolutely. And so you've touched on this piece and you touched on this piece of, of um, renewable diesel and biodiesel and how you view them to be a tool and to moving us towards a more um, climate resilient um, society. And so could you touch on that? Like, what is this tool specific? Like, what is this tool and why do you believe in it so much? Yeah. So this, you know, takes me back to high school when I, when I initially got my, my first diesel vehicle, it was a used car an old Mercedes. And uh, I wanted to run it on B100, which is a hundred percent biodiesel. Well, little did I know that that caused uh, a little bit of a compatibility concern with my engine. And also I couldn't find any biodiesel blends above a B20. It was all blended with an 80% fossil-based diesel, which, you know, the 20% of biodiesel definitely helps, but it's nowhere near where I wanted to be. And so that's when I discovered renewable diesel, which is a drop in fuel that's compatible with all diesel engines that meets all the uh, fuel specifications for diesel fuel, because renewable diesel is diesel fuel, and it just works perfectly. And uh, when I went to college, I encouraged uh, Cal Poly Pomona, my, my alma mater now, uh, to adopt the same fuel. And they looked into it. They were very skeptical. They wanted to only use what was tried and true. And uh, they, they ended up making the switch. And uh, they said that it worked perfectly, just as you know I, I said it would. It was a drop-in fuel. The only change they had to made was, make was put it in the tank. Um, and so, you know, coming... Uh, out of college into, you know, my professional career, uh, learning of a drop in fuel that makes a difference that's cost competitive, uh, and in some cases even cheaper than, than the original option uh, is, is tremendous, especially from a sustainability standpoint and a business perspective as well. Absolutely. And that we call it the triple bottom line. That is so essential, I believe, and should be central to any business operation as we move forward. And so what I think is so awesome about renewable diesel is it's able to check those boxes because not only are you saving emissions, you're also saving, um, or you're, yeah, you're reducing the emissions that are associated with this um, running these diesel vehicles, but you're also especially in the state of California and now um, in Oregon and hopefully coming soon or coming soon, absolutely, to Washington, we have these credits that the state is incentivizing people to adopt these fuels for really good reason. Um, and so when you were talking, um, I wanted to, wanted to know if you could explain how you were able to engage Cal Poly Pomona and really 
convince them that you knew what you were talking about. Yeah, so uh, I studied marketing in college and and uh, I wanted to take a sales route. And uh, you could say I, I started selling diesel fuel before it was even a job for me uh, because I got my school to jump on board um, you know, as, as more of a personal thing. And uh, the reason I wanted to get involved was because I saw the success story for myself in my own personal vehicle. Uh, I would read reports about uh, large fleets and national companies having such success with making the switch to renewable diesel, uh, whether it be cities, municipalities, or just regular old uh, public fleets. Um, and so when they made this, you know, the, the, the reason I engaged with the school was every day we had what was called a poly trolley. And it was a food truck that they would park on, on, uh, on campus and they would run a, a generator and the tailpipe was pointing directly out towards where all of the students would walk. And so walking past the poly trolley, there was always an invisible plume of smoke that all of us would be exposed to multiple times a day. It would park there for hours. And I said, wow, well, you know, renewable diesel is a crystal clear fuel. It's odorless. It burns cleanly. This is, this is a perfect opportunity. And so when I went to the sustainability coordinator at Cal Poly Pomona and I ran this by her, she said, well, if the pricing's right and, uh, and uh, the, the fleet manager approves of it, we can, we can make the switch. And uh, that's exactly what they did. And soon thereafter, uh, the switch was made and there was no more toxic fumes uh, that students were being exposed to on a daily basis. Wow, that's incredible. And I think it's a real testament to, you know, if you believe in something and you really believe that it works, I think that it's really crucial to continue advocating for it and often see of how this tool, this renewable diesel fits in today and how it can help the lives of so many people. And I think that that's something that, I, I think about the way that you were able to engage with Cal Poly Pomona and really connect these dots. We need more people like that. And I honestly believe that everyone is advocating for something that they believe is going to improve society in one way or the other. There's just a lot of things going on. And so sometimes it's a miss, there's a mismatch and not lining up of what the good solution is with the current problem and so I, I think that's a really moving story and it's it's like your first big win of um work i mean your second big win. your first was your own use of renewable diesel and then you know continuing to move it across uh, move it forward and move it to something that is very uh, prevalent in um california's um, transportation portfolio Right. And you touched on something really great there, um, which was, in, in a sense, policy of, of California and uh, Oregon and soon to be Washington. California and Oregon right now have low carbon fuel standards, which incentivize the use of low carbon fuels in the states. Uh, Washington is probably going to jump on board in 2023. And uh, even New York might jump on board uh, in the next year or two. Uh, which is massive considering that there are infrastructure costs associated with reducing emissions generally. And today, you know, when you have a diesel truck and, and, and heavy duty diesel equipment, in a sense, it's a hard to abate sector on an emissions standpoint. So when you have a perfect drop in fuel 
that when you put it in the tank and you start the engine, there's no performance changes. There's no downsides of running the fuel. Uh, it's a very cost-effective solution on, on, uh, with perspective to the emissions reduced. There's no upfront infrastructure cost of just dropping a different fuel into the tank. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of a lot of times or a lot of people you speak with today are going to be very pro-electrification. And, and don't get me wrong, electrification and other means of uh, emissions reductions are going to play a vital role in our switch to carbon neutrality uh, in the next 20, 30 years from now. Uh, but today we have renewable diesel and drop-in biofuels that can reduce emissions right now without those big upfront costs. And so it's really good to use them now while we can get a head start. Absolutely. Thank you for connecting those dots. And I think you're so right. And I think that information is so crucial. Um, I've dropped a question in the chat box and I was wanting to know where you want to take this conversation. Do you want to talk more about how this tool is um, able to create more equitable and sustainable living? What opportunities are there for the community or the public to get engaged? Or uh, the last question being like, what do you think is something misunderstood or emphasized about renewable diesel? Yeah, so there's a couple of, of different things. So I can talk to how, um, you know, renewable diesel drop-in biofuels uh, help create opportunities for equitable and sustainable living. So. Uh, Renewable drop-in biofuels such as, you know, renewable diesel, the space where I'm in, uh, renewable road transportation, that is, and sustainable aviation fuel or, or jet planes, helicopters, uh, the like, um, they, when used in neat form, meaning, you know, 100% purity, uh, it can reduce emissions between 70 and 90%, depending on where you're located, um, what standard you're using. Um, and, and companies with trucks, uh, vessels, planes, trains can all use these products today. Um, you know, right now they're currently only available on the West Coast in the United States. Um, and uh, there's, there's some of it being used in the middle of the country uh, because that's where uh, a current leading producer is right now. Um, but renewable diesel is a great way to help companies meet their own imposed climate targets, uh, their own goals set um, however they choose. You know, a lot of times there are companies that are at the forefront of sustainability and they're setting very aggressive targets. Um, California is, uh, is a state that has set and, and led the way for quite some time now. Um, but there are other states and other leading companies that are jumping on boards, cities as well, uh, jumping on board, that is. Um, meeting these goals and, and renewable diesel drop-in solutions such as SAF uh, is, a, is a great way to get there. Totally. Well, Jeremy, I really appreciate you taking this opportunity to really just lay out how we do have solutions today. And that's one of our main um, intentions with this podcast and this production. And people are wondering, you know, like, what are we supposed to do? I think that there's often, and don't get me wrong, I think that the, those who have the ability to frame our society, i.e., you know, the private sector and the public sector are key and crucial into mobilizing us and moving us forward. But it's so important, I think, that individuals understand 
what this future looks like so that we can know and we can vote and we can move forward and talk to our friends like, hey, you know, I'm there's opportunities to reduce our impact today. And as you've mentioned, you know, like these are solutions for today. And I think what's so vital and so different from what we've done in the past is with traditional diesel and traditional gasoline, it's been an end all be all. It's been like, oh, we found the best solution. Let's stay here. But I think what the climate crisis is informing us of, and, and then we can see the ways that um, the climate crisis kind of peels back what's going on deeper in our society and other systems that might need um, some recalibration is that climate action offers an opportunity to really tweak little pieces of our society to build a more resilient, adaptable society that creates a higher quality of life for every person on this planet. And I think when we think back to what the climate crisis means, it's we love mother earth, but she's going to be fine. She's just not going to have billions of people living here anymore. And that's the piece that scares us. Um, so in closing, is there anything that you want to leave us with any final comments, um, today? Yeah. Thanks, Maddie. Um, I think that it's important to note that, um, you know, heading into, you know, the next decade and, and beyond, um, you know, renewable diesel is is one product. Biodiesel is one product. Um, you know, there are a handful of uh, very forward-thinking companies manufacturing these lower carbon alternatives. But we have to realize um, there's going to be in the next decade. It's going to be a polyworld fuel, meaning there's not going to be just one solution that's going to be the end-all, be-all with with climate change. There are going to be scenarios where electrification will play. A more vital role. There will be uh, aspects of, of uh, for fleets um, that that will prefer uh, hydrogen. Uh, some will prefer compressed natural gas or renewable natural gas. And for the existing infrastructure right now, it seems to be renewable diesel and biodiesel. So uh, a, a, a pro-technology polyfuel world is what I'm looking forward to, and uh, I'm I hoping I'm hoping that the advancement of the industries uh, continue. Uh, their development and, and research and development, uh, their investment in research and development, and uh, just continue uh, continue growing and continue helping our customers reduce their emissions. Heck yeah. Well, Jeremy, I really appreciated talking to you, especially while we're recording. I know that we've had the chance to catch up a little bit. It's crazy that we hadn't really talked since high school, but now that we realize we're working in the same field and working towards those same goals. It's really awesome to connect with you and just hear a little bit more about what goes on inside of your head and the work that you do. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Maddie. Appreciate it. See you later. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for listening to a lengthy but could be lengthier discussion on the climate cause. Check out the show notes and or visit our website, The Climate Cause, for more information. Follow us on your socials and check out the ecologicaldesignnetwork.com. Thanks.